I am supremely frustrated today. Supremely frustrated. For reasons that I'll explain that'll become clear to you, the audience, as the program unfolds, probably in the next few minutes. Welcome to the Drew Allen Show. If you're visiting, listening for the first time, one of the fastest growing conservative podcasts in the country. You know, I, I guess... Well, to set the stage for you, to explain my frustration, no, it's not personal. It's not personal reasons. It's, it's, it's related to what I see. You know, there are days when I look out at this dismal, abysmal landscape out there that is America under this Biden regime in which every day Congress, every day these Democrats meet and scheme and collude with the media, with big tech, with corporations now as well, to seize our liberty, to destroy our country, to make our situation worse. And the way to fight back, of course, is to stand your ground, to fight back. You know, the the thing you have to understand about the Democratic Party, about these people on the left, Yeah, they've got some bite to them, but they have a bite when we allow it, when we don't stand firm and fight back. These people, the snowflakes, right? The snowflakes. They're barking, right? All the time, complaining. They're victims, making demands of you and I. Demanding that we give in to whatever lunatic idea, crazy idea, wacko, newest nut job idea that they have and when we put up a fight, look at, look at Ron DeSantis, for example. Look at how Disney, how these people cave when he pushes back, when he addresses the media, when he has the courage to stand up for his state, for his family, for the citizens there in Florida. They can't deal with it. I mean, Trump really did this as well. I mean, the Trump, Trump, I mean... He did fight back for Americans. Now, the media was relatively successful in convincing many Americans in this country that it was beneath the presidency, that he was some kind of rough, ill-equipped, illegitimate president. You can't behave that way. But he was successful. And he drove the media insane. You know why? Because he played to win. He didn't sit there and take it. He didn't sit there and give in to their demands. He played right, He played the game. He fought right back. He called them out to their faces, and that's, that's the winning strategy. And so I've got an example here, okay? Same man. Same man. The first clip is the blueprint to victory, the blueprint to saving the country. It is a proud moment. It is a, a clip audio that I heard, that I watched, and I was cheering, jumping out of my seat, applauding, grateful, thankful, saying, yes, yes, he gets it. This is how it's done. This is what we have to do to succeed. And then he blew it. And then he blew it. Uh, I'm talking about, I think he's the defensive coordinator for the, you know, they used to be called the Washington Redskins. And then, you know, once again, you know, they caved. Redskins. I mean, you know, you have a football team, and a football team, your mascot is something you're proud of, right? Because it's your mascot. It represents you. So Redskins, obviously, you know, yeah, I go back in time. Oh, it's not it's not polite. Redskins, Chiefs, whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the Redskins there, the malcontents in society, woke culture got to them, and they caved, as so many do. And change their mascot to, to what, the, the, the Commanders? What a stupid name. The Washington Commanders, right? Anyway, he's the defensive coordinator. His name's Jack Del Rio. So I think this was yesterday. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't hear the interview question that preceded it. I mean, he was asked, I guess, uh, about, you know, how he feels about January 6th, right? I mean, the media is probably trying to take a cheap shot. Well, they, they were probably surprised by his response because they were expecting him to give the Democrat media 
you know, approved response, which is, oh, yes, January 6th was so bad, Republicans are evil. And that's not what he said. That's not what he said. He pulled a Ron DeSantis, a Donald Trump. He had courage. Chutzpah. So I'm going to play the clip first of what he said. Listen, listen to Jack Del Rio, and this is what a man is. This is what Americans must be. This is what manhood and strength looks like. I just asked a simple question, really. Did I? Let's get right down to it. What did I ask? A simple question. Why are we not looking into those things? If we're going to talk about it, why are we not looking into those things? Well, let me interject here real quick. There's the answer to my question. Obviously, this reporter's on the attack, right? They're on the attack. Uh, I guess Jack Del Rio asked a question. He's trying to draw a comparison between, look, all this outrage about January 6th, where was the outrage about the Summer of Love, about the BLM riots that got people killed? Antifa. But all the BLM stuff, right? Looting, burning down cities, billions of dollars worth of damage. If you compare that to January 6th, January 6th was nothing. And so he's defending himself and he's explaining himself very well. Let's continue. Here we go. Because it's kind of hard for me to say I can realistically look at it I see the images on TV. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. Businesses are being burned down. No problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol. Well, there's nothing burned down. And we're not going to talk about, we're going to make that a major deal. I just think it's kind of two standards. And if we apply the same standard and we're going to be reasonable with each other, let's have a discussion. That's all it was. Let's have a discussion. We're Americans. Let's talk it through. I'm for I'm for us, you know, having a great opportunity to have a fulfilled life. Uh, like I said, every way, every which way I can, when I'm here, it's about love and respect. I love my guys. I respect my guys. Uh, but I also love the fact that I'm an American, and that means I'm free to express myself, and I'm not afraid to do that. Did he say anything that was untrue there? Anything untrue? The answer is no. It's a rhetorical question. He says, I can look at images on the TV. He's talking about the Floyd, George Floyd protests that got innocent Americans killed, that got innocent Americans' businesses burned down, destroyed. So he says, I can look at images on the TV. People's livelihoods are being destroyed. Businesses are being burned down. No problem. And then we have a dust up at the Capitol. Nothing burned down, and we're going to make that a major deal. I just think it's kind of two standards, Jack Del Rio says. And if we apply the same standard and we're going to be reasonable with each other, let's have a discussion. That's all it was. Let's have a discussion. We're Americans. So you know what it was. I guess he posted something on Twitter about it, and then they're asking him about it, right? Because, you know, you're not allowed to have an opinion that doesn't go along with the media Democrat-approved messaging. And, and, and this, is, this is where, this is the whole point, right? Let's have a discussion, Jack Del Rio says. We're Americans. Yes, he was an American there. You're an American listening. I'm an American. But in this dystopian world that is really, really got me frustrated here as well, you're not allowed to have a discussion, right? You're not allowed to have a discussion in the Democrats' America. And that's the point. That's where Jack Del Rio went wrong. You're not allowed to have a discussion. You're not allowed to talk about things. You just have to keep quiet and shut up or otherwise just repeat, parrot the left's talking points, their lies. So Jack Del Rio there makes a great point. He defends himself. He's got a big platform. Millions, tens of millions of Americans feel exactly like Del Rio. And that's the point. He just said what everyone else feels about January 6th. It was a dust-up, especially when you compare it to, Jan- to, uh, to uh, the BLM riots after the George Floyd incident. It absolutely in every way was a dust-up compared to that. Those BLM riots went on for months and months and months. And as I said, billions with a B dollars worth of damage. Over a dozen Americans killed in those riots. And that's what we have to do. I'm going to say something before I express my frustration and tell you what happened next to get me in this mood. I'm going to make a promise to you. I will never, ever 
do what Jack Del Rio does next. I will never, ever, ever betray my principles. I will never be a sycophant to the left. I will never apologize to them. They will never get one out of me, ever. If I say something that I personally feel like was misunderstood in the end, maybe I'll say that was a, a, a mistake. But also, do you, does the left apologize for anything ever? Now, Jack Del Rio has nothing to apologize for, but I'm making a bigger point. Have you heard Joe Biden or the Democrats apologize for a single thing ever? Ever? No, they project. They have no humility. Nothing will bring them to apologize. And we can't do that either. So Jack Del Rio gives that fantastic statement. Says how we all feel. And then, guess what? They got to him. The organization, the media, the pressure, it got to him. Tough Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders, who a day before was a hero, is now a loser. From hero to zero, but he deserves it. So now, what's today? Thursday? Yesterday, Wednesday. So Wednesday, he... uh, it's on the same day. So he, he, he made that brave statement on Wednesday. And then guess what? Later in the day, he comes back and issues an apology. And of course, he uses Twitter, right? That's the only place you can issue an apology, right? That's the official approved place of apologies in the, in the minds and in the world of the left, right? So here's what he says. I made comments earlier today and referencing the attack that took place on the United States Capitol on January 6, 2021. Referencing that situation as a dust-up was irresponsible and negligent, and I am sorry. I stand by my comments condemning violence in communities across the country. I say that while also expressing my support as an American citizen for peaceful protest in our country. I have fully supported all peaceful protests in America. Wow. He didn't just apologize for what he said. He made sure that he repeated the demanded Democratic Party leftist talking points. Right? He's, he's now saying he went from condemning the violence of BLM to saying that he supports all peaceful protest and he condemns all violence, right? They're trying to make, I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is nutty. This is what they do every single time. I stand by my comments condemning violence in communities across the country. I say that while also expressing my support as an American citizen for peaceful protest. Support, you know, not all peaceful protests are the same. Now, the BLM protests were not peaceful. Yeah, maybe a handful were, but overall, they were defined by violence. Defined by violence. It doesn't matter that CNN and MSNBC put on their cryons with burning buildings and cars in the, in behind them, gunshots going off in the distance. Mostly peaceful protests. Mostly peaceful protests. But you see, the mostly peaceful protest on January 6th we're, we're told it was all violent. It was an insurrection, right? Right? You see how they do this? You see how this works? Golly. Golly. And that's what just has me fired up. <clears throat> fired. We can't win like this. We cannot win like this. We cannot cave. I, I just, th- this is really fundamentally what's wrong with America right now. Where are the men? Are there any men left? I mean, I know I'm a man, both physically and mentally, but where are all the men in society? Where have they gone? I'm looking. One steps up and he gets defeated so easily. Where are they? If we don't have men step up, if we don't find courage and bravery, if we do not stand up for principle and fight back, even verbally, I I just... this, this. does this happen to the left ever? Do you ever hear some leftist come out? Do you hear LeBron James, right? Well, let's just make a, a similar, you know, analogy, if you will, here. All right. So here you have Jack Del Rio. Comes out, expresses his opinion, his point of view, and it's valid, right? And before he can finish his last sentence, 
He's being pulled away and told he's not allowed to do that. Might likely threatened his job, so on and so forth. Who knows what happened behind the scenes? I don't really care. And he comes back and says he was wrong. He apologizes. Now, LeBron James comes out and makes the most idiotic statements every time. Idiotic statements. You, you, you've, you've got uh, uh, what, what, what? Steve Kerr, right? That coach. I don't even know what team right now. Golden State. Whatever. Steve Kerr. He comes out and makes these leftist talking points and lies through his teeth every, every time. Does he ever come back and issue an apology? Never. It's always one-sided. Always one way. But we're, you know, this is this is what just kills me, folks. You know, we, we are not a minority in this country. The point is what Jack Del Rio said a, a majority of Americans agree with. It's just the media doesn't agree. It's just the Democratic Party doesn't agree. There are tens of millions of us who agree. So how is it that this minority of lunatics who wants to pretend like BLM was peaceful and J6 was some violent insurrection, how is it that this minority of lunatics is able to put up, put on so much pressure that they can force a man to bend the knee every time? Where does it come from? Where is our strength, our mental fortitude to stand up to this? This is why we can't be silent in the workplace. We can't be silent anywhere. They politicize every situation. But we've allowed them to do it. Because we've been silent. They've come in, taken over, and they're bullying us. Now, I'm not talking about violence or anything else, but where's, where's the bullying back? I'm not talking about bullying for the sake of bullying. But why can someone not stand up for principle? Why are we always bending the knee? Why do we have someone who has a low-level, single-digit IQ coming and yelling at us, confronting us, condemning us, threatening us? Why do we allow them to do it? Why do we not yell back? Why do we not put them in their place? Why does Jack Del Rio, whatever happened behind the scenes, say, you know, he could have come out. He could have used this as an opportunity. He could have said, hey, you guys just did X, Y, and Z. Pull the curtain back. What happened to Jack Del Rio? Tell me what happened, Jack. Come out and say, you know, I issued that statement, and I want to explain how the media works. I want to explain how the left in this country, how this Washington commander's organization doesn't want to have a discussion, how they don't believe in the American ideals, constitutional rights, and liberties of free speech. I want to talk to you about this authoritarianism that's dangerous. It just happened to me, and this is happening everywhere. And I will not be made to bend the knee. I will stand up. I will stand firm. I said nothing that was wrong. In fact, tens of millions of Americans agree with me, and I'm right, and they're wrong, and I'm not going to issue an apology. He could have done great damage to that organization. He could have done great damage to the left. He could have exposed their tactics, and he could have given courage to others who are just like him, speaking the truth, who are looking for examples out there to encourage them to stand up and fight. But Jack Del Rio, he could have been a hero. So Jack Del Rio, Rio the Zero. Rio the Zero. Rio was a hero. Rio's now a zero. Rio the Zero. Yeah, that's right, Jack. You're a zero. Way to go, buddy. Coward. I'll never do this to you, ever. Ever, ever. They will never get me to do what Jack Del Rio just did in my entire life. I make that solemn promise to you right here, right now, behind this microphone. I got to walk the walk. I'm calling out Jack Del Zero. Drew Allen will never be a Jack Del Zero. I will stand firm. I will fight for you. I will tell the truth, and I will never back down. These cowards will never get to me. I do not care. Despite their best efforts. Now, speaking of uh, these tactics, right, of the left, these bullies, these authoritarians, these tyrants, these harassers, well, here's a great story for you to uh, continue with this theme of the radical left that is abusing power across the board. So a Michigan GOP hopeful, he's a Republican candidate for Michigan governor, Of course, he's a defender of former President Donald Trump. And so, because he's a defender of President Trump, an ally of Trump, guess what? He was charged in the January 6th riot. That's right. Let's see. What what is today? Today is Thursday, June 9th. So, more than a year ago, more than a year ago, 
Ryan Kelly, he's 40 years old, the Republican candidate for Michigan governor. Well, over a year ago on uh, that fateful day, January 6th, um, he was recorded on video outside the U.S. Capitol on the day of the protest. Uh, apparently waving to the crowd, directing them towards stairs. And uh, he used his phone to film the crowd pushing past the U.S. Capitol police officers. And uh, I guess allegedly this document made public by a federal investigators, that's the uh, Gestapo. Well, apparently he... Uh, he was in a crowd that climbed the stairs. Now, it doesn't say he entered the Capitol, but he climbed the stairs. And so, you know, the FBI is coming for this guy. Coming for the guy because he was there in the crowd. He was filming it. And so now he's been charged uh, with misdemeanors, don't you know? Charged with misdemeanors. You know, they're trying to interfere in every election every way they can. They're trying to scare other Republicans. They're trying to create this narrative, right? And I'll get into this more as the program unfolds, but they're trying to create this narrative, uh, which is false, of course, which is that, you know, um, people on the right, Trump supporters, they're all a bunch of violent insurrectionists. And so uh, this is all they have. They're Hail Mary going into the midterms. Vote out of fear. Right, right. They spread lies about Trump to try and get their base and other Americans not to vote for Trump, to reject Trump, even though nothing they said was even true. And now Trump isn't even running. It's a midterm election. It's not the presidential election of 2024 yet for the liberals out there listening. I know you get confused with dates and history and how the American uh, Constitution works and the voting process especially. Just want to clarify that for you out there. But uh, anyway, they arrested Ryan Kelly in western Michigan and uh, he had to go to a hearing I mean this is this is nuts and of course this arrest comes what hours before it's going to start here soon I'm not going to watch the house committee the J6 committee is holding the the first I believe I guess it is of, of, of their widely anticipated public hearing you know it's notice how they're showing it during prime time you know, usually these committee hearings, I mean, you know, they happen in the middle of the day, early in the in the afternoon, early in the morning. I mean, you can't keep Democrats around the Capitol, right? They're always wanting to get off on vacation, our taxpayer-funded vacations. They can't wait to rush off to their mansions on their $160,000 salaries, $150,000 salaries, whatever they are. You know, they all got, you know, $10 million homes, but they make, uh, you know, $100-something-thousand a year. The best America has to offer, the uh, the most moral. But this time, they're not rushing off anywhere. They are uh, foaming at the mouth with uh, anticipation and excitement. They can't wait. They haven't been this excited um, about anything since uh, they probably thought Hillary Clinton was going to win in 2016. So there they are, you know, they're going to show never seen video, audio, this array of evidence. You know, I want to point out that they're going to show all this video, the same crap we've already seen on CNN and so on and so forth. These these moments of of, you know, uh, a bunch of police officers, Capitol Police officers being pushed to the ground or whatever else. You know, they're they're really probably put a Hollywood score to it. I'm sure they got uh, got some music ready. It, It reminds me of, you know, when when Congress got together not too long ago, maybe a few weeks ago or a month ago, and uh, Zelensky, right? He had this video made with a, a beautiful score uh, to, to, to drum up emotion so that we would send them, you know, $40 million. 40, no, $40 billion, I'm sorry. $40 million doesn't get you anything these days. $40 billion in American taxpayer dollars. So they're going to do the same thing. Maybe Zelensky helped them make the video. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he is an actor, after all, as well. But, uh, yeah, so they're going to play all this evidence. Now, they, they wouldn't give us, and they still haven't given us all the video, right? They don't want to show us the video of, of you know, the, the Capitol Police officers opening the door and waving people indoors, which is what we know happened. Uh, because, actually, a judge 
already released dropped the charges on one of the people that was arrested in the J6 insurrection. They released him. They dropped the charges because actually he could prove that the Capitol Police guarding the Capitol building actually waved him in the building. So they're not going to show us that. They'll never show us that. They probably burned it all. Maybe they got the bleach bit technology that Hillary Clinton used to uh, destroy evidence of uh, her corruption with her home server that violated federal law. Anyway, so so they're going after Kelly. I mean, th- th- this is the thing, you know, intimidation is being used. The, the FBI, the instruments of, of government that are supposed to be bipartisan, that are supposed to be objective, that aren't supposed to be used by a political party to punish and pursue and intimidate their political opponents, well, that's exactly what the Democrats are doing. So they're trying to get another scalp here. They're trying to send a message to the rest of the GOP candidates, to anyone out there, that they can ruin your life. Now, I'm going to explain how they do this, by the way. Um, There's a CNN story out there, and I'm using the CNN story. It's about Peter Navarro. Now, if you're listening to the first time, I've talked about Peter Navarro. I was with Peter Navarro last week, and then I got home, and he was being arrested for contempt. Um, When you are forced or subpoenaed to come and testify before Congress, you need a lawyer. You're an idiot not to use a lawyer. You have to have a lawyer because what happens is if your memory is fuzzy, they're trying to get you on other things, right? You're under oath. And so if you say anything, even if it's insignificant, you know, maybe... Maybe you, they ask you, hey, did you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on Tuesday? And you're like, no, I, I didn't. And they're like, ah, nope. We actually have evidence that you ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You lied to us under oath. We're sticking you in prison. That's why you have to have a lawyer. I kid you not. Now, lawyers are expensive. So when they subpoena these, look, yeah, many of these people are successful, but they're not billionaires and multimillionaires like Nancy Pelosi and these other people. So the strategy of subpoenaing these people, just like they did, remember what they did to uh, to General Michael Flynn, right? They got him to basically plead guilty in exchange for the federal government taking their foot off his neck. They were threatening to come after his son, and he was racking up legal bills. He was a general. He was not a rich man. I mean, you know, these people maybe got $2 million in the bank, right? Retirement. That's good. That's great. It's invested. Well, these lawyers cost, you know, $500,000. They destroy your retirement. They destroy your livelihood by... Look, the federal government has unlimited resources. I'm going to cough. Excuse me. They have unlimited, unlimited resources, right? They're funded by you and me. They just keep taking the money from us. So, so... They can, they can bring lawsuits all day long. They can keep suing. They can keep it going. And meanwhile, you have to pay out of pocket for your own lawyer and defense. So they try to wear you down. Your bank account, right? It's not unlimited. So Peter Navarro, I mean, I don't know if he's a lawyer or not. He might be. Um, he was Trump's trade advisor. But Peter Navarro has said he's going to represent himself in court. And the reason he's doing this is because if he does hire a lawyer, he's saying it's going to cost him a half a million dollars. That's what he's being told. A half a million dollars. And so he said, uh, I'll be eating dog food if I stay out of jail. So, obviously the point is, if he hires a lawyer and it keeps him out of jail, well, he'll be eating dog food because he has to pay his lawyer half a million dollars. And this is how sick and perverted the justice system is, right? How corrupt it is. Now, the prosecutors from the Department of Justice, they've asked for a protective order that would bar Navarro from disclosing any evidence he receives in the case, right? Okay, so when you go on these cases, right, I I think they may be referring to the discovery period. As you prepare to go in court, you've got the prosecutor and defense. Now, before they go before a judge, You can request information from the prosecution. They can request documents from the defense because you're building a case, right? So the Justice Department is trying to restrain Navarro from telling 
the American public of any evidence. Basically, when he asked for the documentation from the prosecution, he can see how corrupt it is. He can see how sick it is. He can expose them. But they're saying, I mean, this is what's hilarious. You know what they're saying? They're arguing that because he does these media appearances and he goes on Fox News and people want him to talk and he's somebody that people know now because he continues to do media appearances, you know, defending himself, telling the truth about his situation, what they're doing to him. Well, this is going to create a potential carnival atmosphere. The January, what, what is the January 6th committee and this crap going on starting tonight but a carnival atmosphere? The Democrats have acknowledged it's a carnival atmosphere. So now... They're trying to say that Navarro's trying to create a carnival atmosphere? These people are lunatics. So anyway, if the Justice Department's request is granted, it's going to shut down Navarro's ability to speak freely about his charges. And that's what they want. They want to destroy him in darkness. They do not want the American people to learn what I'm telling you. And it's worse than what I'm telling you because I'm not Navarro. I don't know exactly. What's going on behind the scenes? But he's going to find out. That's the irony, right? In prosecuting him in this way, he's going to actually, in many ways, have the ability to have some insight into how sick and twisted and corrupt this committee is. And so they want to stop that. They'll do anything to destroy their political opponents and anything to keep us from alerting the American people of it. This is what I mean. You know, totalitarians have to live in a vacuum, right? They can't have an enlightened citizenry and commit these uh, tyrannical violations. All right, now, I want to get back to something. So, January 6th, right? Trump inside an insurrection. This blows up the whole thing. Now, as you know, uh, Kavanaugh, someone from California, I forget his name right now. It doesn't matter. He's a Democrat, obviously. Uh, He's from California. And he was going after Kavanaugh. He had a gun, a knife, I believe, and he was arrested en route uh, to Kavanaugh's house. Now, he might have made a phone call or something as well to tell the police, you know, that he was essentially going to go and kill Kavanaugh. You know, I'll look up the story in a minute. But nonetheless, a guy was trying to murder Kavanaugh and likely his entire family, and he was arrested by the Maryland police. That's where Kavanaugh's house is. Now, remember, the the Democrats out there, these lunatics, they published Kavanaugh's address. They published Kavanaugh's address. And, um, And this ensued. This ensued. And... I, I, I want you to hear the, the, the media's response, right? So think back to the uh, Buffalo shooter, right? The media knew his motive immediately. They blamed it immediately on Fox News. They blamed it on Republicans, white supremacy. They said that Fox News, Tucker Carlson was responsible uh, for what happened, right? That, that, that's the narrative. I kid you not. Immediately, that was the narrative. Now, this guy, obviously, his motive is very, very clear, is it not? Um, he wants to kill Kavanaugh because Kavanaugh is one of the justices that is uh, likely voting to overturn Roe v. Wade. So it's about abortion. So that's very clear. Where does that messaging come from? Here's the media's reaction on CNN. Uh, very little detail at this point, Kate, other than to say uh, it's an, uh, this man is, uh, he's an adult man from California. We don't yet know what the nature of the threat was. We don't know what language the threat was uh, or what kind of weapon this man might have had, uh, if he had one at all, uh, because the information at this point uh, is just so thin. But Kate, this, this certainly contributes to this overall threat landscape we've been talking a lot about. The major concern here with this abortion ruling from federal officials, and they've been sounding the alarm alarm on this for about a month, is that Supreme Court justices will certainly be, you know, potentially targeted by violent extremists who are angered over this pending ruling that is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. This is an extremely passionate issue. There are emotions on both sides. Federal officials have made clear over and over they believe the risk truly comes from both sides of this abortion debate. Uh, So certainly this case, uh, you know, really solidifying what federal officials have been warning about. 
Now, notice what she does there. Now, now, now firstly, she, she tries to say, so this guy's a leftist, uh, pro-abortion guy, who's a Democrat from Simi Valley. I'll get into that story in a minute, give you more details. But anyway, he's, he's trying to kill Kavanaugh. Obviously, the threat is coming from someone on the left. And she's trying to say that, oh, you know, they've warned of threats from both, both sides. Where's the threat from the other side? You have a clear example of someone on the left trying to commit a heinous act of violence, murdering a, a Supreme Court justice, and in, the, in, in, in your sentences, in covering this event, you're talking about both sides? Where is both sides? I mean, these people are sick. And notice she tries to, to blame this on the Supreme Court as well, right? Right? Oh, well, they've warned, you know, this is such a hot-button issue. You know, it's the issue that's the problem. It's the issue that's the problem, you know. They, they, I mean, they blame Fox News for the Buffalo guy the Buffalo murder, which was nonsense. And actually, there's every reason to blame the left for this, and I'll get into that in a minute. But they blame Fox News for that. And here they're saying, you know, well, uh, you know, um, yeah, everyone could see this kind of coming, you know. It's, it's, really, it's really the fault of the Supreme Court because, you know, they've decided to, to overturn Roe v. Wade. If they, do you see how they think, these tyrants and dictators? It's, it's the Supreme Court's fault for not doing what the left wants, for not arriving at a decision that the left desires. If the Supreme Court, if Kavanaugh would have just done what the Democrats wanted, if he would just vote the way the Democrats demand, none of this would happen. None of this would happen. It's Kavanaugh's fault, really. That's what she is insinuating. Now, think about all the allegations out there against... Uh, against Trump, uh, January 6th, they're arresting Peter Navarro, uh, you know, they're arresting this uh, governor, gubernatorial candidate that I just mentioned as well, because he was president at the January 6th. Now think about what they're doing, okay? They were, they were there. Trump gave a speech. He said to peacefully make your voices heard. Uh, none of these people inside an insurrection. But here's Chuck Schumer. Here's Chuck Schumer. Listen to him. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, let's just piggyback here. Let's put the pieces together. So you had that CNN propagandist basically suggesting that Kavanaugh invited this upon himself because of his decision, right? And then you just heard Chuck Schumer. What did he say before this happened as well? You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hits you if you go forward with these awful decision, I believe he said. So you'll pay the price if you go forward with this decision. Is this not exactly what this attempted assassination, this murderer, attempted murderer from Simi Valley in California was attempting to do? Make him pay the price for making that decision? The violence in this country comes from the left, mainly. And look, uh, I I'm not trying to take a low blow here. We have to be realistic. We have to be realistic. They are gaslighting and projecting, but this is the kind of dangerous thing we have to talk about. These Democrats are never held accountable for anything they do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the situation was reversed? Can you imagine if Trump, rather than said, saying to go peacefully protest, if he had said, uh, you know, you, you people in Congress, you Democrats have released the whirlwind and you're going to pay the price. You won't know what hits you if you go forward and uh, validate, confirm Biden's presidency. That would be inciting an insurrection, would it not? I would agree with that if he had said that, but he did not. We don't talk that way. We don't speak that way. Only the left speaks that way, and they use the media to cover up for their really vile 
really dangerous talking points. Now let's hear Jin Saki as well. Here's Jin Saki. When she was press secretary, right? Remember, remember when that draft of this Supreme Court decision was leaked, um, people were violating federal law by going outside of the justices' homes and protesting, trying to intimidate them and harass them. That is a violation of federal law. None of those people, to my knowledge, have been arrested. None of them have been arrested. But here's a... Here's Jin Saki. So I know that there's an outrage right now, I guess, about uh, protests that have been peaceful to date. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes. And that's the president's position. So these protesters were in violation of uh, federal law. And uh, her position and the president's position, she claimed, is to continue protesting outside their homes. Continue violating the law. Continue intimidating these justices. And then Chuck Schumer telling them that they were you know, going to experience pain or what was the quotation? I wrote it down here. You won't know what hits you if you go forward with these decisions. Imagine if we spoke that way every time the Democrats with gun control, you won't know what hits you if you go forward. That is a threat. That is an obvious threat. For all the talk about dangerous terminology, dangerous social media, these Chuck Schumer, Chuck Schumer, he's a senator. He's a Democrat senator, and he is telling a mob of Democrats, telling them that these justices Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, all of the rest of them, they're going to, they won't know what hit them if they go forward and make these decisions. That is a threat. And where are the arrests? Where are the calls for committees being formed to investigate their incitement of this person from California that tried to kill Kavanaugh. So I just have an updated story here. Let me look. So federal agents, they have raided the family home of a Simi Valley man who was accused of plotting to murder Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Nicholas John Roski, R-O-S-K-E, he's 26 years old, charged with attempt to murder a Supreme Court Justice, and uh, if convicted, he faces a maximum sentence of twenty a maximum sentence of twenty years. What's wrong with our justice system? You know, they tried to get twenty years, by the way, for these individuals who are protesting on January sixth. People who did nothing but trespass. There was the one individual I talked about. He committed uh, suicide, suicide, and his uh, only crime was entering the Capitol building and taking selfies. And they were seeking to get to add years to his sentence. This guy tries to kill a Supreme Court justice, and if he's convicted, he has a maximum sentence of 20 years in federal prison. There's something wrong here, is there not? So, uh, let's see. The FBI busted down the front door of Roski's family home in Simi Valley. They got a search warrant. Well, that's nice. They use search warrants uh, when it comes to leftists who have tried to kill a Supreme Court justice. They don't use uh, search warrants or anything of the like uh, when they are you know, spying on American citizens and, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity or uh, any of these people, they just go straight to AT&T and say, uh, hey, we uh, as Congress, we demand that you turn over the text messages and records of uh, anybody who Donald Trump has ever talked to in his life. (sighs) Crazy. This uh, this is what this is what's going to destroy the country. Mark my words. You know, if you continue to have this this uh, double standard in the justice system by which Paul Pelosi uh, can drive drunk and get in an accident running a stop sign and uh, we can't get his mugshot and all the charges are dropped. So, okay, this guy, Roski, uh, when they arrested him, took him into custody, he had a backpack and a suitcase which had a black tactical chest rig, a tactical knife, a Glock 17 pistol with two magazines and ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, screwdriver, nail punch, crowbar, pistol light, duct tape, hiking boots with padding on the outside of the soles. Wow. Wow. So anyway, that's the story with this guy, incited to uh, violence, of course, by Democrat talking points. I'm very serious about that. Um, all right, let's close out here. A couple things here. 
I, I want to point out the January 6th committee, yes, it's a spectacle to distract from um, uh, the failures of the Biden administration to get you to think that inflation, gas prices, uh, turning over our sovereignty to the WHO organization via their pandemic treaty, the uh, elimination of fossil fuels, the seizure of our Second Amendment right, uh, censorship, the indoctrination of our children with critical race theory, the attempts to confuse and create mental illness in our children via, you know, uh, little drag queen shows and teaching them about uh, encouraging them to be a, uh, to, to transition to choose their own gender. Don't don't think about all that thing, all of that. Just remember that January 6 happened when the Republicans are terrible. But it's beyond that. And I want to tell you something else that this January 6 committee is up to. They're using this committee to cover up for the stolen 2020 election. Ah, Drew, no, we can't talk about the 2020. No, no, it's we can't. No, no, I'm serious. The January 6 committee is a cover up for the stolen 2020 election. Let me explain. A former Pennsylvania congressman well, first, if there's anybody out there that doesn't think there was funny business in 2020, um, does anyone deny out there that ballot stuffing took place, illegal ballot stuffing? And if so, I'm going to blow your mind here because a former Pennsylvania congressman just pled guilty to ballot stuffing for Democrats in multiple federal elections. So uh, he's a former U.S. representative. His name's Michael Ozzie Myers. He's 79 years old. Philadelphia, of course, he's uh, from Philadelphia. So he just pleaded guilty to conspiracy to deprive voters of civil rights, bribery, obstruction of justice, falsification of voting records, and conspiring to illegally vote in a federal election. Federal prosecutors said Myers orchestrated schemes to fraudulently stuff ballot boxes for Democratic candidates in the 2014 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018 Pennsylvania elections. Now, that's not even 2020 when we put an eye on it, right? So this is before all of the nationwide changes to our voting laws temporarily in the name of the pandemic, right? So this has been going on for a long time. Myers has been cheating since 2014. Democrats have been cheating for years and years and years, but they ramped up, ramped up their coordinated efforts in 2020 under the guise of the pandemic. Myers admitted, by the way, to bribing an elections judge in a voter fraud scheme over several years. DeMuro was the the elections judge. He also pleaded guilty in May of 2020 and was convicted for his role in accepting bribes to cast fraudulent ballots and certify false voting result. This, do you realize what a bombshell story this is? Now, the media won't talk about it. They're going to go forward with their January 6th show of fiction there, the circus, trying to convince us, you know, that Donald Trump tried to incite an insurrection to overturn the results of the 2020 election. We have a story here that says an elected official, a Democrat, and a judge, well, they have for years been cheating, casting fraudulent ballots. And uh, Myers, by the way, it wasn't just one judge he tried to conspire to commit election fraud with. He did it with Marie Barron. And she pleaded guilty to the scheme in October 2021. That's uh, shocking, is it not? For all the naysayers out there that say the Democrats don't cheat? That's, that's big stuff. Big stuff. All right, well... Let's just circle back here and close out. Leave you with a little, a little bit of positivity. Look, you know, it's just some days you got a lot of stories out there and they're just negative. And, and I'm actually, I mean, I shouldn't say this right now because it's, it's not, you know, it's in the earlier stages. You know, I'm working on a chapter right now. But, you know, I have decided to take on the subject of the lack of masculinity in this country, how it is contributing to the destruction of our society as it is. Uh, we have been convinced by society mainly led by leftists, of course, 
for over a decade, right? I mean, toxic masculinity, right? They're trying to attack masculinity. What does it mean to be a man? What is a woman? They can't define it. Well, what is a man? That's, that's what I want to uncover and get to the bottom of and explain to people. But we live in a society in which we are told basically just to respect anything anybody else wants to do, right? It's, it's, it's bullying. It's wrong. It's disrespectful. You got to be open-minded. Open-minded to what? Is there black and white in society or not? Are some things wrong and some things right or not? And if we see something that's wrong, should we correct that behavior? Should we speak to that person? Of course we should. But we're being led to believe that we just have to respect. And I'm telling you right now, I had an interview this afternoon on a show, and I was talking about Uvalde, what happened there. This lack of manhood, this attack on masculinity, I believe contributed to that young man committing that atrocious, horrific act, that mass murder in Uvalde at that school, killing our children. Because people notice his behavior. He grew up in a small town, Uvalde, of 16,000 people. Where was the correction? You know, we're just told to stay out of people's business today. We, we're, we, we just kind of turned a blind eye, right? You know what I mean? What happened to the days of uh, if you see something, say something? That only apparently related to, I don't know, terrorists from uh, Afghani training facilities, Al-Qaeda. But what about our own society? If you see something, say something. Nowadays, we've been taught, you know, not only is there a war on, on men and what it means to be a man, but we've been, been told that we're not supposed to say things. That, uh, you know, moral relativism is, is, is really what's destroying people, right? Moral relativism. What does that mean? Morals are relative. There are no tried and true principles. There is no right and wrong. You know, if a 10-year-old wants to dress up in a tutu and put on a bra and walk through the street, you know, don't say anything. That's, that's bigoted if you correct that behavior. And that's what's wrong with society. So we got to fight back. Don't be, uh, don't be Jack Del Zero, right? Jack Del Zero had a moment, a moment to shine. And look what happened to him. Caved, caved, Jack Del Zero. All right. Uh, so anyway, my book's focused on that. I'll talk more about it, you know, in the months, ensuing months that follow. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you all. And uh, until next time.